0: you're listening to two guys talking wine with michael pincus and andre prue michael andre uh a hair raising experience uh at roy thompson hall
1: yeah we we brought the mobile studio with us to the great italian tasting that took place uh last week And um, we were not allowed to use it. But let's not get into too many details about this because we still managed to put together a fantastic podcast. Um, We explain what happened on the tape here.
0: We did it old school. If you really think about it. We, We used our cell phones for the first time in, what, three years?
1: Oh, probably longer. Anyways, roll the tape.
0: What the heck has happened to us?
1: Um, well, we came into Roy Thompson Hall for the great Italy tasting that takes place. Uh, it's been a couple of years since it's taken place.
0: Yeah, 2019 was the last one that was there.
1: Uh, as you, If you've been listening to this podcast, many people know I had a chance to visit Abruzzo earlier this year and uh, go to the Anteprima, do a walk around tasting. Um, there's a highlight reel on my Instagram, at Andre Wine Review, but I was uh, very excited. I had a chance to meet who we're about to interview at the Abruzzo tasting. And found out that she was going to be coming to Toronto in the fall. And we had this great plan to bring the mobile
0: studio with us. And, to we, were, and we were going to record on the stage at Roy Thompson Hall. We were going to do a big intro with, live from Roy Thompson Hall. It's two guys talking wine.
1: So instead, live from
0: the food court below Roy Thompson Hall. Oh, that the Oxford Properties Leasing Inquiries. Booth. with
1: Without our proper equipment, we're going old school. I think we talked about it recently on the podcast, yeah. how far the equipment's come, but there are no plugins in this food court, which... I
0: can't believe that.
1: I know, especially like we're in, like we're off Bay Street, we're in like the heart of commerce for Toronto, and there's nowhere for people to even plug their phones in here. I was shocked by this.
0: Anyways. Anyway, enough bitching, I guess, so... Uh, without further ado, Andre introduced the guest. We are joined by Mariana Vellanosi. Hi. 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 How are
2: you? <laughs> Hi. You're very I'm fine. You're
1: very bright. You have a very pink suit on.
2: Yeah, I love pink. Oh, okay. Also pink wines.
1: Okay. So. I do too. I mean, that's it. So at the tasting in Abruzzo, I've been. Um, I've been fairly critical of the Montepulciano grape on the podcast. I learned a lot on the trip, but I think my greatest frustration from the tasting was tasting a lot of wines where the principals would tell you, oh, it'll be ready to drink in 25, 30 years, and I'm almost 40 years old now. I don't want to buy wines I'm waiting to drink till I'm 70, but there were a handful of wines. Yours was a Cherasuolo that you were pouring that was just... Outstanding. So that's why I was hoping to talk to you and taste some of your wines in more detail because I think I was the, you had one or two wines at that tasting, if I'm not mistaken. Do you remember what you were pouring? Uh,
2: yes, I was pouring the proper line. So okay. the Montepulciano, okay. Cerasuolo, okay. and Trebbiano.
1: Okay.
0: So I remember the Cerasuolo.
1: I don't remember the Trebbiano as
2: much. Don't worry. <laughs> no, <laughs> there I,
0: were I, a lot I, of wines I, that day. I want to just jump in here and, and, and say, Andre, Cerasuolo is a rosé made from... Montepociano. Montepociano. Yes. So, did you know that at the time, or did you just think it was red wine? Yeah, well, it was, wine?
1: it was something that I learned. So, it's the other thing we talk about on this podcast is um, I don't know a lot about Italian wine, so when I have a chance to learn, I'm always happy to learn about it. And, uh, you mean that was something that I've learned this year? Uh, I had a chance to take Well, yours is memorable, and obviously,
0: um, Christiana, Tri- um, shoot, I'm blanking on her name. While you do that, I remember trying a Nick Taglia... Tagli. Tagliatelle. No, he's not a pasta. Um, he's, uh, he's, he's from the, the Abruzzo region. Nick, okay. uh, N-I-C-T-I-G-T-A-G. Boy, we're terrible at remembering anything. It's amazing. Yes. We can... Uh, anyway, he had a great cherosuelo, and he told me okay. the um, the um, reason why it's called cherosuelo and why Moltovulciano does not Tiberio. appear...
1: There it is, Tiberio, Cristiana... Uh, Tiberio. She was you at the helper. Yeah, she was at the. At the uh, thanks for fixing the pronunciation. Don't worry. she was at the helper tasting uh, recently. Anyways,
0: let's. But talk yes, about why, why multiple John does not appear on the label to finish yes. my sentence before you j- jumped in with whatever your name was. No worries. But now the thing is, here I am. I'm meeting you in Toronto. We're
1: talking about your wines that you were pouring today. But you're telling me that uh, you your winery is actually not in Abruzzo.
2: Actually I have two wineries. Okay. The first one is in Le Marche, so okay. the most historical one that uh, has been founded in 1984 by my parents. Okay. And the second one is in Abruzzo. Okay. But uh, since we are really uh, to the border in Abruzzo and Le Marche, the two wineries uh, are just uh, 15 kilometers uh, far. In distance, so it's like 20 minutes by car. So actually, they're really close to each other. And in both wineries, we do produce Montepulciano as well, for example. But we have different appellations.
0: Okay, got it. So um, I guess. You on the spot, which appellation do you like better? Oh my God! Michael. Oh,
2: that's a tough question. It's like to ask uh, which one is your favorite the children. Oh. You
0: know? <laughs> oh, come on! But every parent has a every parent. Every parent has a favorite but child. You, you
2: cannot say it, even if you've got a preference. You know. Let's
0: pretend they're not listening.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really difficult. Um, I would say that, uh, uh, of course, Montepulciano is uh, what we like the most because we started producing Montepulciano uh, in 1984 blended with sangiovese so this appellation is called rosso piceno and is typical from le marche region so we we born with that appellation so for sure uh, is the appellation i'm more i'm more attached i could say uh, but i cannot say it's my favorite one i mean uh, i really love the wine i produce and i always say that uh, um, We really try to improve ourselves every day, every vintage, every harvest. So I'm sure that my favorite wine has to be produced. You know what what I say?
1: No, no. I had a chance to learn quite a bit about Abruzzo in that trip that I was. I was there. I've been fortunate enough to taste a lot of the wines after I've come back. In terms of what you're, when you're describing the two regions to a consumer, and not just to a regional consumer to a Canadian who maybe doesn't know a lot about Italian wine. What would you describe as the biggest difference between La Marque and Abruzzo?
2: First of all, the wine production. I mean, in terms of numbers, uh, Abruzzo is uh, well known for the wine production, while Le Marche is still quite undiscovered. So for this one there is a, a main region which are the numbers of uh, wine pro- production. If we think about uh, the uh, average Italian wine production, so Italy produces per year 50 million hectoliters of wine. Um, so the, the first region in terms of production is Veneto, where prosecco is, so they produce more than 9 million hectoliters per year, for example. Abruzzo is a big producer. So Abruzzo, the region, produces uh, almost 4 million hectolitres per year. So it's a big producer, especially with the Montepulciano, which is one of the biggest appellation in terms of wine production in Italy. Le Marche, on the opposite side, is one of the smallest regions in terms of wine production. So the whole region produces uh, 800,000 hectolitres per year. So, it's a really small production compared to the other regions of Italy, so it still has to be developed compared to Abruzzo, for example. And at the same time, I always say that uh, Le, Marche is, Le Marche wine production is a well-kept secret of Italian winemaking, because we have the perfect condition for winemaking, but we are not well known. So, it's quite hard to make people understand Le Marque wines because they don't know Le Marque region, you know?
1: Now, there was something you and I were talking about right before I hit record that I think is going to pose a challenge for your region in terms of recognition because we talked about how when. Well, tomorrow you're going to Montreal? Uh, yes. And how are you getting to Montreal? By plane. <laughs> and we talked a bit about getting yeah. around and how. In Canada, it's really not normal to use the train, where in Europe, it's more normal. Like, you go to France, you can go from Paris to Lyon to Bordeaux over in the course of hours. But arriving in Italy, when you get a plane in Rome, to get to Abruzzo, you have to take a bus or a car. Yes. So do you... What What is the infrastructure like for, I guess, tourism and maybe, like, gastro-tourism, like, just to have people come and be enticed to taste the wines of your region?
2: But, of course, the wine production uh, uh, notoriety will increase with the wine toys. So and the problem in that part of Italy, so we are talking about the central Italy on the east coast, the problem is that we don't have the infrastructures. So if you want to reach the region, you have to, uh, to take a plane to Rome or to Milan and then mainly take a car rent a car because if uh, even if you want to go around and see the different small towns the different Borghi you have to drive a car so it's not easy to reach that part of Italy and we don't have trains for example from Rome so if you think about that, it's just two hours by car so it's not that far and you just have to cross Italy from west side to east side we don't have a train to do that
0: Andre, it'd be the same here. Like coming down to Niagara is not as easy and yeah, once totally. you get once you get off the train, you have to rent a car or, or get on a bike or there's not even a bus that, that will get you into Niagara on the lake. Okay,
1: but I mean let's maybe talk a little bit about the infrastructure that's in place though, because if we're talking about Niagara on the Lake, we're talking about the region. To the west of lake ontario like we're at the point now where there is infrastructure being developed there's hotels that are popping up there's luxury hotels boutique hotels the food scene in st Catharines, you live in st Catharines, is really starting to to be popping and yeah there's no michelin guide down there yet but there's some interesting restaurants is there that sort of culture being developed to attract tourists in la marchia and abruzzo
2: uh, yes in the past few years i see a big difference in the in the mentality and So a lot of uh, uh, constructions of new hotels, of boutique wineries, so um, there is something changing and I like it because it means that uh, uh, we really have, I always say that I have a white paper in front of me, so I have everything to write on my own. So the story of a certain territory, it's not like if I'm producing Chianti, so everybody knows Chianti or Barolo. It's difficult to say something different if you produce Chianti. I mean, there are so many producers.
0: I think Chianti producers would be very upset to hear that, but go ahead. I
2: know, I know, I'm sorry. Sorry for Chianti producers.
0: I really, I really like nobody that, knows. Though. Nobody knows, yeah. nobody
2: knows Rosso Piceno. Come on. I've never, I have never had a person knocking my door and asking me for a Rosso Piceno. Oh, please, I want to buy a Rosso Piceno. This is not. Is that, that,
0: and, but that is your dream just to one day have somebody
2: why not, not okay just checking
0: I just want to why know not? that I,
2: I would like and
0: get off a bus in front of your winery and go I'm looking for a Rosso Picciano
2: why not okay, that's what she's.
0: so we okay so you know let, if let, you
1: build it they will come how about that okay so. okay so we're talking about Rosso Picciano now and we're talking about actually before we do that there's a word that you said there that I don't think I'm familiar with that you are both probably familiar with Borghe. Is that just the italian word for winery it's no. kind of a it's go it's ahead a you a small
2: town uh, small yeah. town like um which are not big cities or where you just have small hotels and bnb this kind but of you, it,
0: it does sometimes you know borgo Spic- uh, uh, scopetto mm. that that's a winery name yes so it's named after a town obviously if only you could pronounce
1: your french words the way you pronounce italian words
0: Maybe I like Italian better. I'm not sure. <laughs> Probably.
1: Yep. Anyways, let's do a quick segue, though, because uh, we're here below Roy Thompson Hall in the food court. But before we came down here, we did a really rapid-fire tasting of some wonderful wines that you were pouring upstairs. Um, do we want to go through what we thought about the wines
0: and get America Well, so... Um the first one she poured us is, was—is that the Rosso? That was the Pecorino, the the first one. Oh, the Pecorino. Sorry, and that was the Le Marque? Yes, it
2: was the DOCG.
0: So, uh, yeah, I, I I liked it. I've had a couple of Pecorinos today uh, already. Uh, I thought it. Uh, now, granted, I I can't say I've been drinking all day. It's not true. Uh, I did give I gave a talk earlier, a seminar, so I had to be. Okay, just get to the coherent. point. Michael. But what I was saying is that um, I've, I've, it's, a, it's a, to me, it's a nice pecorino. Uh, I found it very soft. Uh, pecorino, I'm, I'm always looking for a little bit of more of a salty minerality. I didn't pick it up uh, from there. Um, I found it in, in like the. It was very It
1: was very fruit driven. It was missing. It was missing the minerality of a lot of the pecorino that we tasted in a <laughs> But at the same time, I really liked the ripeness it pushing more it pushed more towards peach notes pear notes but like very ripe on both sides correct it and still I still had nice acid to I guess I
0: I guess I'm looking for more of the minerality and the saltiness because I always think of pecorino and then I think of seafood or is there you know, a difference
1: some... in, in style when it becomes DOCG as opposed to, to DOC or is there like can you say something about about your particular style of pecorino but maybe why it's not what Michael was expecting I would say what I was expecting but I didn't get a chance to taste any other
2: pecorinos today. <laughs> so actually, the pecorino from Le Marche and pecorino from Abruzzo, they're quite different. So, of course, the most well-known is the pecorino from Abruzzo, because of what we, we, we said before in terms of quantity. So, of course, you have more chance to, to try to taste a pecorino from Abruzzo compared to a pecorino from Le Marche. But the main difference is the terroir, is the territory. So, we are in uh, Ofida which is a specific part close to a town called Ofida, where it comes, a small borgo, <laughs> where it gets the the name uh, Offida D-O-C-G, Pecorino. Uh, and we have a law that we have to follow. So, for example, uh, the wine can be put in the market only after the 1st of March. We have to produce uh, a wine with a alcohol level higher than 11.5. And we have a law also for the quantity per ba- per vineyards we can produce. So it's a lower quantity per hectare compared to the DOC or the IGT of Pecorino. Uh, Of course, there is also our style as well that uh, stress this characteristic that uh, Andre said about the peach, about the pear. So we really want to uh, with the Rev, this is the name of uh, the pecorino you tasted before, we really want to show you the longevity of this grape variety. Uh, because pecorino can have a really long life, but still we don't know that much about pecorino grape because it has been rediscovered only 40 years ago. So it's not that much that we produce 100% pecorinos. before. There was Pecorino, it, mo- it was mainly a wild growing uh, grape and we mainly use it uh, as a blend with other grapes. So with Passerina, with Trebbiano, with other uh, grape varieties. So we still have to learn a lot about this grape variety, but in our experience we found out that Pecorino has a really great longevity. And that's the goal we want to reach with uh, the Rev Pecorino, to show the longevity of this grape variety. That's why we also use Barrique for the fermentation. Mm. Maybe that, that is the point why you miss a little bit of minerality, of acidity, and you have more richness in terms of fruits. But that's a style.
1: The bar- the, so the barrels that you're using, though, they didn't taste like there was new oak on that. Is it older barrels that you're using?
2: It's new oak.
1: No way. Yes,
2: but didn't, only didn't taste
1: like didn't not. taste
0: oaky. So no.
2: But just a small part of the wine. Oh, okay. 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 So not the whole quantity. Uh, that's my brother who is in charge of uh, the production of REV So it's uh, his project, and. Uh, uh, only up to fifty percent maximum of the wine is does the fermentation in uh, barriques. The other fifty percent remains in stainless steel, and after a few months we blend together the two wines, and then we go to the bottle. So.
0: Got it. Okay. All right. Done with pecorino? yeah that's i mean it's it's fascinating
1: to well, i mean it's it's fascinating to hear the just the different choice in style and i'm curious like it's kind of like you, you did your seminar on pinot grigio today Correct. pinot grigio is also a grape that is very versatile in terms of style especially in in italy when you can go from north to south like a sicilian pinot grigio tastes a hell of a lot different than
0: correct and again it's all it's all based on style and and batonage, and barrel. See, look at me. It looks like I almost know what I'm talking about with Italian All, wine. Almost, okay. very close. What was the second one we tasted? So it was this. Uh, so we're looking at a picture
1: of it, obviously. Yeah, because we it, we literally like we shotgun them when we found out we couldn't record yeah. it at Roy Thompson Hall. Tasted the lineup real quick and came down here.
0: So uh, and then you put them in order here. So if I'm not mistaken, it's this red label one. So if you're if you're listening to the podcast, just kind of tap your screen or whatever you're doing, and go back and quickly look at the bottle. It's a red label, and you said it's got. Uh, no, that's what is the depiction of the red thing? What is that red?
2: That's a nympha. Nympha, it's the goddess of the wood. Okay, so it's so a nymph. It's a it's a,
0: a, a, a wooden nymph. Okay, okay. Because I know you said on the other ones there's four uh, people dancing, and yes. then I was like, wait a second, where's the people dancing? <laughs> so, um, so this is uh, so tell us about this wine first of all before first of we what's the name of the wine is yeah is nympha? Nympha. yes. nympha okay, and then tell us what it is and from which reg- from which region it's from.
2: So Nympha actually is our uh, last bore because uh, it's the second vintage we produced this wine and uh, we wanted to produce a supermarket so uh, IGT wine with international grape varieties. That was our goal. Then um, we came out with this blend. It's a blend of Montepulciano because you know we are mainly produce Montepulciano and Cabernet, Merlot, and Syrah.
0: What is the dominant grape? Is it it's or? Montepulciano? It's okay, Montepulciano, the it. dominant grape. Okay.
2: Even if uh, with this wine, there are like 40% Montepulciano and the rest of international okay. grape varieties. And uh, Nympha is a wine that uh, we... Um, we launched two years ago because we wanted to celebrate the 20th cent- uh, anniversary of Ludi, which is the other wine actually. Okay. Because Ludi is born on this idea, to produce a wine IGT with international grape varieties. So since uh, after, afterwards the DOCG is born in my territory, the Offida DOCG, so the same as the Pecorino, we have two Ofida DOCG Pecorino and Ofida DOCG Red. So since the DOCG is born, we decided to start producing a DOCG wine. So we had to change the original idea and the original
1: But your DOCG clearly worked with you to allow those international grapes to be part of the blend. Yes, but only in a
2: smaller part, 15%. So I had to change completely the idea of the wine.
1: Okay. listen, there um, are there financial and like and tax breaks for making a DOCG versus an IGT? Is that why you made the changes, or is it just more prestigious to be DOCG? Like, what's the reason? What's the reason for pushing pushing back when you could still continue to make an IGT wine if you wanted to?
2: But uh, that's a good question. Actually, okay. uh, it's a choice. It's a choice. I mean, uh, I know a lot of producers uh, uh, producing IGT and not even if they are in the DOCG areas. That's a choice of the producer. In our case, we really wanted to stress the territory. And since a new DOCG was born, that was for us an opportunity to increase the notoriety, the brand of the DOCG by producing a wine in the DOCG. But I guess it's a choice. That's why now we also started the producing again uh, IGT wine. On the original idea of Ludi.
1: I, wait, was Ludi
0: Ludi poured today? Was that IGT? It's a DOCG. DOCG. Okay, so you, have, you. Okay, un- okay, understood. So now the Nympha, What did you think of that? That's the one that's 40 percent well, multiple giano. I, I, okay, I, I
1: have a question. I, I have another question. Okay. Because we're now talking about like the, the the marketing side of this and trying to raise the n- notoriety of the LaMarque region. How has the market responded to this concept of making a supermarket wine?
2: Uh, actually, they really liked this style of wine because it's a wine that is easy to understand compared also to a DOCG. But that's a style of the producer, you know. Then, of course, uh, we are the only wine, call, the only producer calling calling it a supermarket. So, this is not that easy.
1: Oh, I understand. Okay, <laughs> that's
0: fair. <laughs> uh, you, what do what, what you, you think of, what you thought of it, Michael? Well, I gave you the, I gave my note on it the first time, and I think I. I insulted our our, our guests. So now it's your turn. I don't think you ins- I, you right. weren't insulted. It was it was, it, was it wasn't it wasn't the best best review I've given.
1: No, but it was a fair comment not understanding that the style was was different, right? <laughs> Mariana explained that it was a deliberate choice to make the wine.
0: But on with you with the nymph my friend. Um I was I was
1: surprised because as I said on the podcast, I I did enjoy a lot of the wines in Abruzzo, but I found I still find multiple Giano difficult because of the tannin the tannic structure is just so hard and it takes such a long time for these wines to relax that was not the case with any of the wines that we tasted today so i'm bearing the lead a little bit i was actually just surprised at how soft the tannin was and how accessible there was a little bit of tannin that gripped at the end of the couple sips that we had in the in the glass but it wasn't inaccessible and it was definitely red fruit driving that was this this was the one I thought was Zinfandel esque, yeah, with the Syrah. I felt it. I
0: felt it had Zinfandel characters. So I, I found that the the nymph had a lot of coffee and yep, uh and licorice and leather. Uh, and I, and I, I, I thought it was
1: blueberry, and then you said, "Well, Zinfandel has plum," and it was just that was the thing I couldn't put my finger on. Is it, it was very plum
0: like. So I, I was less I less enjoyed this than you did. Uh, uh, yeah, it, to me it it bordered on and chewing on a on a coffee bean. <laughs> and I'm. I, what were you drinking today earlier, though? <laughs> but um, I, I don't like. I don't like. I'm not a coffee drinker. If you're a coffee drinker, this is your wine. Like, I am you're not gonna, a coffee drinker. Love and I loved this. it. I loved the Ludi. I thought the Ludi was. was, Ludi, a, was a lovely bottle. The Ludi. Of wine. The Ludi was. It was better to me. It was softer. It was. That one to me was more approachable. I thought the tannins were were well balanced. I, I found the acidity to be, you know, kind of where you want it to be, food friendly. Okay. So the Ludi to me was the was out of these two bottles, which are similar, from what I understand. They're Malbeciano, they're Cabernet, they're Merlot. One of them has Syrah. One of them Nipha does not. has Syrah. Ludi does Correct. not, because I was paying attention. Correct. So I was gonna. I was trying to let uh, her say something but obviously we're going to dominate now as as we're going Um, so so the Ludi doesn't have the Syrah, and I think the Syrah brings something to the... And obviously, this is a selection. Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. Thank, thanks for saying Holy something. Holy crap, when did you start asking questions like me? Get to your point, So I, what, I'm, what I'm saying is, there's a selection, so Ludi, obviously, is is a higher-grade wine, just based on the price. And um, so, I, I, I like the Ludi better. I found it more approachable. I found it fruitier. Um, I didn't find the coffee. I didn't find the... I thought it was
1: time uh, and place, though. Like The wines, the wines are completely com- completely
0: different, you know? Correct, like, like the, but you're and, asking me which one I like better. And I like the Ludi better than I like the Nympha. And I okay. told you why, because I, I didn't want to chew on a coffee bean. Okay. Whereas I liked the fruit, and I liked, and I guess the Syrah, maybe that's what brings the, the coffee.
1: Okay, so here's the, the big question I had upstairs where I had to stop myself so I didn't, didn't ask it. Because like I said, Montepulciano, for me, as a new Italian wine person... Um, tells the story of tannin. And the tannin is really well under control in both of these wines. And you said that Montepulciano is the biggest portion of both of these wines. Is that correct? Yes. What does your family do to make sure that those tannins stay in check and you're still keeping everything well... Balance. Like what's the what's the secret to making a accessible Montepulciano?
2: Actually, that's a really tough question. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, in forty years of experience of producing Montepulciano, of course, not all vintages were that good. So at the beginning, what n- was not easy to produce Montepulcianos because you have to really know how to treat Montepulciano to produce this smooth wine and take. All the fruits that is possible to have with the Montepulciano, uh, for sure, starting from the vineyard, So you have to work a lot on the grapes, so to produce a good Montepulciano. So doing a selection of, of the best vines and uh, also not producing a too high quantity per hectare, uh, it helps to take under control the quality of the Montepulciano. And for sure, the barrels, because we use a lot of barrels to uh, smooth this part, it can help. But of course, that's a more technical question uh, and my brother would answer better than me. <laughs> so,
0: Andre, I don't know what kind of uh, Montepulciano and Abruzzo they, they poured for you in on this trip because uh, a lot of the multiple giano Abruzzo that we get here in Ontario uh, is very much ready to drink now. Mm. Well, we should do another tasting
1: later on this year because, uh, like I said, it was my frustration on the trip was finding all these wines that were so fussy and, and difficult, except, uh, have you tasted the Villamagna yes. wines? Yeah, I found that the entire region, the focus is making the wines more accessible, and that was one region where, like, every wine was just being pushed ready to drink. So I'm happy to do but we, I'm happy to revisit Abruzzo we did and it. Multiple channel to taste these wines to keep find
0: something that's more accessible. We had a Multiple channel Abruzzo dinner. I remember those wines being fussy as well. Oh see I didn't find them fussy. I found them, you know, ready or on the cusp of being ready. Not forty years ready. I am in you know, within a couple of years. So I don't know where you're getting the fussiness from. Okay, so what am I doing wrong? Uh, obviously, you, you got to get a new tongue or something. I don't, I don't really don't know what the, the drink answer. a little bit less Pinot and Chardonnay. Correct. Yes, drink a less of those those lighter wines and get your get your ass into a store and buy something with some heft to it, and maybe get used to drinking a wine with some balls. I don't know what uh, what more I can say to you. <laughs> How do you know when a wine has balls, Michael? It's uh, because it has a deeper voice. So. Um, now uh, I'm going to move on to this this one with the clippers on it. Oh, it is clippers. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So there's shears. So they actually They are a mini pair of shears, and if you can pry them off the bottle, you can probably use them for maybe a dandelion in your garden, and then that's about it. So um, this was your Montepulciano d'Abruzzo. Yes, and, yeah, that, and it's your it. and it's
1: your top yes. your top tier <coughs> top tier wine. So, but it was similar to the other two. The tannin was soft. It is a goud. Like if you want to buy it and keep it in the cellar, this is one where. I don't think I would personally would keep it for 30 years. I think 5 I to 7 years is when the tannin would th- really start th- to fall th- off.
0: I think 30 Do you do you, does this is it set in your region 30 to 40 years? Is that? Because I don't know I don't I know very few people who actually hold wines that, long that yes they're gonna enjoy them well well maybe yes, not any- 20. but but you know in 20 years yes 40 years is pushing it because mm. you're really gonna you're really gonna be in ter- be, in, in tertiary
1: yeah, I might be, I might be exaggerating a little bit with my you're, frustration as an impatient wine critic. You're,
0: you're, you're 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 at this point if you wait 40 years to drink this you're basically licking the the uh, the the forest floor like there's just there's going to be nothing okay, there Okay let's that's just get to this one we fruit forward I forward. Really
2: suggest 20 maximum 25 years Yeah I could okay. say that's- so
0: so I could see this wine. So this is uh, what, what is it called? Um,
2: Verso Sera.
0: Verso Sera. So uh, Verso Sera is um, it's a it's a it's a. Lo- I thought this was lovely, and you said you you could drink this every night. Yes. And I, I would like to drink it every night. I just I, I don't have that kind of money. Um, it's but, eighty dollars a bottle in this market. Correct. So, but it, it is a very approachable wine. It's a very delicious wine. This this it was my favorite wine of the four. Um, and, I, and I really enjoyed drinking it. Uh, and, I, and, and had we been sitting here with a glass of wine, um, not in Oxford properties, wherever the heck we are underneath the Roy Thompson Hall, that would be the wine that I would sit here and sip on and we could have this wonderful conversation using proper microphones. Interesting. Yeah. I liked I liked Ludi best. Oh no! I thought that Malbeciano was. I I really love Malbeciano de Bruto. I think it's a such a lovely grape. It makes such lovely wines. Um, I like the fact that you can hold them easily five years. Like I don't know about twenty five. I don't think I've held them. Uh, you know what? I probably have. one. You have. I probably. Um, I have. But you know, ones that were really cheap to buy. But I really like multiple Gianna butts. Let's, I let's think let Mariana lovely... jump
2: in. She's I trying tried. To... Um, I tasted uh, uh, Ludi from 98. Okay. So it has 20 years in bottle because it was. Uh, and uh, I can say it was really, really good. So actually, 20 years is a good. Does,
0: it, does it, for... it still have a lot of fruit to it or was it more tertiary characteristics?
2: Yes, point? more tertiary. Oh. Correct. So a lot, a lot of liquories, a lot of cafe, as you said it before, a lot of tobacco. Uh, the fruit was not the crunchy fresh fruit that you have today with the new vintage but still you had some hint of uh, fruit.
0: so hints of dried fruits yes. so andre that's just not your bag no totally not
1: i, so. I like my wines with like a little bit of youth and, and vibrancy to them um but maybe on on this one, we've gone through the wines yep we've talked about la Marca, we've talked about the um how can people find out more about the winery if they'd like to uh decipher my poor pronunciations of everything that you've said
2: but uh, we, um, we have a website, so everything is on our website about our wines and also the, all the explanation about each wine we did personally, me and my mother, because we wanted people to really under- can hear our voice and what we have to say about uh, each wine. Um, and in Ontario, uh, we work a lot actually in the horeca, so in the restaurants mm. sector, uh, more than uh, stores so we serve uh, Italian restaurants mainly
1: well thank you very much for taking the time to me it's good to connect again and maybe next time it'll be in uh, Italy so you guys can both correct me on my view of Montepulciano because it and sounds like I need some can stuff to learn let
2: him taste uh, other pecorinos
1: yes <laughs> I would like <laughs> to try some more pecorino exactly uh, thank, thank you so much
2: thank you for inviting me what a pleasure thank you thank you
1: so I, I now need to learn more about La, Marque, La Marca I'm sorry, I'm up to everyone. Le, le, I, le, le yes. Every okay, so you know how I give you a hard time about French pronunciations? I get people who uh come at me hard on my um on my Instagram whenever I mention anything in Italian. And the thing is, there are a lot of um parallels between French and Italian. Like when I'm in Italy and I'm around Italians, I can get the gist of what more people are saying, but I just I just can't wrap my head around um around the pronunciations.
0: I'm good with wine knowledge, like if you're in a wine cellar, uh, you know, wine shop, that kind of thing, I get all of those words. Uh, I may miss one or two, but usually I'm beside somebody that I can turn to and go, "Uh, what does that mean? Um, But I I can get it, you know, and I also, you know, they point a lot, so uh, (laughs) uh, you you get the gist of of what's going on. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty proud of my Italian accent lately, though.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, good on you for that. Um, so I know I, I cut one part out of the interview because I wanted to talk about where you could get some of these some of these wines um, just because they, they were delicious. We did enjoy enjoy the wines. Um, a couple of shout outs to Casamoto, which is a really great restaurant run by the Chase Hospitality Group. And Italy. if you're looking to pick one up, you and I were both, um, I think, a little impressed. Not a little impressed. We were impressed with the wine selection. At
0: I was Eataly. a lot impressed by what was happening at Italy yeah like uh, I've never been there before what a fabulous uh, little shop like not little either
1: yeah uh great selection of Italian wines I I don't think there's any that you can get at the LCbo like it's just really well really well curated anyways this is where we uh, we start to wrap up I'm Andre Pru from
0: Review.ca. and I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPinkusWineReview.com.
1: follow me on social media at Andre follow-, follow
0: me on social media at uh, the grape guy and Michael Pink. so take us away Michael Ah, good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. Two Guys Talking Wine is produced by Jim Ray, Adam Duran, and Ken Little.